you know, so at this point in time with this, the cars, the knack, then to, you know, discovering Queen on my own terms, not just my mom, right. you know, we're the older kids. And then all hell just kind of breaks loose after that. Right. Craft work. And then next thing you know, I'm joining your band. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the circle of life, the rock and roll yeah, circle. There life. it is. Look out, the lever. Get away from that lever. You'll blow us all to atoms. Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm Rob Elba, and this is my podcast. It's great to have you guys here. I'm in Seattle still. I don't even know if Sam knows I'm in Seattle, but I am in Seattle. And, yeah, uh, wait. Yeah, because yeah, wait, I'm going to interrupt straight <laughs> off the top because you sent me an email saying 8 o'clock your time. Yes, right, right. So you were like, what? <laughs> and I was like, wait, my time? I'm on the West Coast, baby. our time? So you're in Seattle. What are you doing in Seattle? I'm working at the airport. I'm working at SeaTac just for a couple of months, helping out here uh, just for a couple of months. Oh, Rob's out the plane in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm talking now to someone on the East Coast. And without further ado, I want to welcome my dear friend, Mr. Sam Bogarino. Welcome, Sam, to the show. Well, thanks for having me back, Mr. Hilda. It's great to have you back, Sam. Uh, many of you know Sam, uh, that he played in a band with me. He played in the Hoy Terrace. Some of you may know he plays in this other band, Interpol and... You know, Sam, I was thinking, so you guys are in the thick of it now. You're working on a new record and you're, you're like rehearsing and writing songs now, right? Yeah. yeah. Did the, I'm thinking, did the pandemic like work good with your schedule? Because, because you guys usually take time off anyway. So would you have come, would you have started this sooner or did it kind of work out for you guys? No, it really didn't affect us. I didn't think so. Yeah, it was, it, <laughs> You know, I mean, I hate to say it with all the bands and the venues and the whole industry from top to bottom is like, you know, just coming out of a tailspin. But we, you know, we ended this cushy tour with Morrissey. Right. <laughs> you know, in 2019. And then, you know, that was, that was it. That would have been, yeah, that would have been your downtime anyway. And now- yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And wow. then furthermore, the isol, you know, being remote, that's how we worked was remotely. Right. And I, I think that really kind of helped change things up a bit for, you know, the past, uh, what, almost 20 years of doing kind of writing the same way. Right, right, right. It's pretty much as like something you could totally identify with because I learned how to do it with you just as a band. Right. Like getting right, together, right. somebody comes in with the, you know, main progression and it gets fleshed out. Right kind of all together and then overdubs, you know, how that happens is kind of arrives, you know, ideas arrive in the studio and everything. But this was like, you could think more and nobody's waiting for you. Right. To right. <laughs> okay. You know, you, you could spend and time it with it yourself. Of, yeah. Yeah. And then when we finally got together a couple of times to kind of play live and kind of learn the, the songs we've been recording, it, it was like, first of all, it was exciting. As hell. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And um, you kind of knew what was going on. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell you guys were excited because you guys were actually posting pictures, which you guys hardly ever did. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. 
Yeah, it's a new day, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it, we're gonna we're gonna and we're gonna do we're gonna do the record in London. Oh, nice. Yeah, awesome. first time recording overseas, so that would be great. That's exciting. And you just mentioned you threw off casually twenty years. That's true, right? It's almost you're going on that with these guys, right? I've been in the band for 21 years. Oh my God, I can't even, I, I just can't even wrap my head around that. It's crazy. It's bizarre to say that you've been in a band for five, uh, see, I, I was going to default to five years. Yeah, of course. And you're in Hoy Terrace. Because that, that just sounds right. I know. How could you last longer than that in a band? It's like 20, <laughs> what are we? We like the Rolling Stones or something. Yeah. I remember. I remember when you told me, when you gave me the, your, when you guys were recording, you told me, I got this band. These guys are good. They're, you know, they're good. They got, they're, they're young, but they got really good songs. I remember when you, when you joined them and it doesn't seem like 21 years ago. That's crazy. No, it, it, I remember coming down to South Florida to visit my mom and we met up and went out and I was like, Rob, guess what? And you kind of nailed it. You signed a record deal with like Matador. Yes, exactly. <laughs> At the poorhouse. We were in the poorhouse. I remember exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. Right. That makes sense. Right. <laughs> well, funny. and look at that. And you've been living at uh, you guys, the band has been leading a charmed life ever since. You've, <laughs> you guys yeah, are nailing the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, that's good, though. I, I'm yeah. glad. I'm happy to hear that. And uh, that's awesome. But then we're not here to talk about any of that right now. What are we here yeah. to talk about? And I, I, I actually have so much to say about this. I'm really glad you brought this record because this is a this is going to be. Well, let's just start. What, what did you bring? What are we talking about? Well, get the knack by the knack. Let's go. Now, what? Now, you obviously because you like maybe, I don't know, a month or two ago, you just you just uh, texted me and you said, hey, get the knack, you know, that that record. So what happened? Did you just like revisit it or something recently is, is, it, is that what happened yeah yeah well i was driving to the supermarket <laughs> yes of course <laughs> um down here in north georgia or over here in north georgia right and i was just flipping through the radio you know i have like npr the college station and the classic rock station so i go through those three right right and the the, the classic rocks channel was playing my Sharona. Right. And at first I was about to just change it because... Because you've heard it 5,000 times already, right? Yeah. Right. And, you know, still, even after all these years later, it's an impulse. The guy can't... And then it it was a, the the chorus, the end of the chorus before they go into that middle section. That bridge, yes. And they changed. And I was like, I can't. I can't turn this off. I turned it up. Right. And I was like, wait a minute. This is so much better than I remember. Right? You know, I mean, I was 10 years old when that was a hit. And I think my sister, Cindy, had bought the record. Okay. And I kind of appropriated it because I just fell in love with it. Right. And the geeky, little geeky Sam really loved it because there was a picture of them, like, kind of playing on the, the flip side of the album cover. Right. You know, set up in, like, a, you know, what would seemingly look like a photo studio or TV studio but just set up with the gear and everything. And I thought it looked cool. And um, so I would just play that thing over and over again. But back to the present, listening to the song from that transition onward, and like the guitar solo. Oh my and God, like yes. Court, I mean, it's like, what the F? Yeah. 
And and I, I have like the sad sad theory is that you know they they it was almost like they were too good, you know, because nobody could could nobody um, really could handle the overplaying of a contemporary song. No band kind of comes out unscathed. Right, right, right. You know the Nirvana you know um, phenomenon, and, and you know. It, it, Passion turns into hate. You know, oh yeah, for, yeah. Well, with with me for sure, I can't. As as good as Nevermind is, I don't need to hear any of those songs ever again. You know, I, I just yeah. don't. <laughs> and, just, and you know, and you're down down even inside your core. It's like it's a great album, right? Like, undenying it, but that something happens when you know all of society kind of like. <laughs> Well, yeah. And it's like when in, in like reading about it more and digging, cause I never thought, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I realized at the time, wow, they were huge. And like, what happened? Like, why did they fall? So why did it fall so quickly? And then reading about it, it's kind of shitty. It's kind of like they were the first band to get like canceled. And it, it, a lot of it has to do with the, with the press, with the music press sort of not because they came out, this was their a debut album. Okay. It was released in 19, 19- 79 june 1979 and yep. at the time it was one of the most successful debuts in history because they sold over one million copies in less than two months Jesus, yeah which is which was insane and they had only been uh together for a year as this band so uh, automatically and also because a, a thing that really hurt them was that their management had decided that they weren't going to do interviews so they didn't do interviews so the press was sort of left to their own design to sort of make their own narrative about them. And they decided they were this manufactured band because capital, you know, they, they were pushed hard by capital. Um, yeah. And, but so the, that they were just this manufactured band that's supposed to be like the Beatles, like the new Beatles. And it was all bullshit. And basically they kind of all got, <laughs> got in line and said that and ignoring the fact that still it's a great record and they were a great band and these guys could really play. Yeah. They, they got together uh, just for a year, but they played all over LA and they built up a following. And these guys, by the time they got to the studio to do this record, these guys, you know, were, were solid. I mean, a smoking. Yeah. 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 And, it's insane. And, right. And did you see it was recorded in two weeks? It took them two weeks to record this record. See, I can hear that. And that's, what's really good about it is like that is a definitive band like that's a live recording yeah. you know it's exciting you could hear the excitement in there and and it, and also i was going to ask you cuz as a drummer okay say you're a drummer and sam i'm going to blow a little smoke up your ass because people you know i I've, I've played you know i i haven't played uh with too many drummers but i've always played with really good drummers but yes you're a really good you're i mean i'm gonna blow smoke you're one of the best drummers i've ever played with and, and oh. many other people say this i mean uh I, who do we have um adam franklin uh score guard one of the best drummers in the so it's not just me saying that but do you i i feel like do you feel like you would like you were just uh you were kind of meant to play drums and i feel like you, you started playing drums young and it's kind of like your your thing it's just something it, it's like what you do and it kind of comes to you right yeah yeah so and yeah. listening to this this drummer this guy he's a really great drummer and i he's, i feel like you your style is very complimentary to his yeah i i i i let's take that as a compliment because the guy is exemplary yeah i mean and and this is like the, my favorite school of drumming is to play songs right right not su- I, super I think, flashy but right 
but you just the, yeah. when it's needed, you pull it out there. It's just like dynamic drumming. It's not yes. It's not it's not rocket science. You right. know, it's just like <laughs> having you know, it's just kind of having the the attitude that I'm part of the fucking song. I am part of the songwriting team. Yes. Or part of the arrangement, but I'm I accompany the melody. Right, right. And that's and, it. Yeah. Right there. And yes. That's yeah. The you, you do that. You were great. You were always great at that. And you do that with Interpol. And you could hear this guy doing that too. Even though he's not flashy, he's not super flashy. He's not doing he's he's he isn't Neil Pert. But no, but he uh man, he's rock solid and he adds so much to these songs. And and they all do. They're all really great players. And you know, and, and he and has a songs good, are great. His drum sound is like he knows his drum kit. You know what I mean? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of it, sometimes it just just comes down to a snare, like the snare shot, the way, you you know, it it seems like you could say, how could it, how could it matter who hits the snare? But it does. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a, it's so kind of this, you know, uh, quantum physics. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) It's really, it's like, you know, you could have 10 of the most incredible drummers like hit a rim shot and they'll all sound different. Right. Right. And, and then only one will work, you know, in a particular song to, this, you know, yeah. to bring it out. And the other one will just sound weird. But this guy, like he, he, he there was something in his Wheaties for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I figured you would say that because now, uh, you know, when I'm diving back into the record and I remember too, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a little older than you, but I, I remember getting this, uh, and I think I had it on cassette, probably on cassette. And uh, just listening to it, you know, over and over, flipping it because just the songs are so catchy. And so I didn't even realize, I mean, I was starting to write songs, but I didn't realize how well arranged they are, too, because they really are. Incredibly. Yeah, they are. And the one, you know, obviously, um, Doug Feiger uh, and uh, Bert Navarre uh, arranged wrote great songs. Doug Feiger is not the best lyricist. And there are problematic, there are some, uh, you know, problematic lyrics here, misogynistic at times. But it, it's, to me, it, it's a cop out when all these, uh, when um, uh, music writers were calling them out for misogyny, because you're not calling out ACDC, you're not calling out the the uh, the Stones, the Rolling Stones, you know, I mean, yeah. It, it's, yeah, no, that's, it's BS all the way. It is. It's like, it, it's a thing you pull out of your back pocket. You know what I mean? Because everybody else gets a pass, especially back then. But all of a sudden, this one band who's essentially doing the same thing, really. Right. Which is like, we're going to pick on you guys. Exactly. That's what they did. Because it's basically, what is it? It's singing from the the viewpoint of a teenage boy, of like a horny teenage boy. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And how much pop music is is doing that? Yeah. I mean, it's like everybody deserves to have a, a perspective shared. Right. You know, when the Beatles and, when the Beatles sang please please me, everyone knew, you know, you you know what they meant when they're saying please please me, you please, know. Please me. Yeah. yeah. It's not like it, it also would have been please make me happy emotionally. Right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like oh, please please I mean, I to digress a sec cuz the Beatles are very important to the knack. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um hearing that watching that uh Hulu thing with Rick Rubin and Paul McCartney. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. It's really good. It's really good. But, you know, they would talk about like how they wanted to get girls. Right. (laughs) And the things that they would do to get girls. Yeah. You know, so, you know, just because in the the 60s, you know, uh, you know, coming out of that whole, like, you got to 
you got to disguise your intentions, you know, because, you know, face value is more important than anything else. So if you come off like a good gentleman, right. Good enough. Right. Because the, you know, when they find the backseat of the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's basically, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. But you know, you know, some of, I think that, that the record couldn't come out today lyrically. Right. No, no, right. It it couldn't. But yeah, for the time it came out in 1979, it was, yeah, I think it was more the fact that they became so big and they, they went so far. Did you hear it? Did you know about the artist, Hugh Brown, the San Francisco artist, Hugh Brown, who had, he was the guy that did the clashes, give him enough rope uh, record. Oh yeah. Yeah. He did the nuke the knack campaign he like started this campaign nuke the knack because like uh, you know as a backlash against them and they made like t-shirts and buttons and stuff and they yeah they, he like organized this whole backlash against them and i think a lot of it was uh, jealousy for the fact that they became so big so quickly and that you know that's what i think it was more than what they said you know what they said it was because when you're when you're listening to it and reading it, it it isn't anything you know it's not anything you could find any hip-hop you know you could pick a hip-hop song that's that's much worse oh yeah yeah it was kind of i mean it was kind of innocent in a way because he is singing it from a teenage boy's perspective of course yeah they even say he even says it in the songs yeah he does yeah and at the at the bottom the bottom line is like he's not raping any. you know he didn't date rape anybody he's no, no, no. He came home and wrote about his frustration right <laughs> right yeah that's a good you point. know which he has a right to talk about Yes, he didn't have like an underage girlfriend, which a lot of like, if you want to go back to the 60s, you want to talk, that's very oh. uh, problematic. You know, you want to talk about yeah, Jimmy I mean, Page and Iggy Pop and all that. Yeah, David yeah. Bowie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they all, I mean, it was like a thing. It was a thing, I know. And it's, you know, it's and we evolve as people. We get better as a society and we realize, no, that, that that's that's not okay, you know. and which, Well, it's always easy to talk about what was bad in hindsight. You're very safe. You're here now. And like, oh, now cancel that person now because of what they did in a whole different society. Right, right. Yeah. And set of cultural standards. It's, I mean, I was watching, I saw something on my news feed and it was just like trying to like call out David Letterman for an interview like in the 80s. Oh, really? And how they viewed him as being kind of, you know, creepy. And it's like, you have no clue. You weren't alive then. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just like nobody, everybody saw it as lighthearted. You know, nobody right, right, yeah. was going to report him to be abusive. Like yeah. it was, it was, it's entertainment. Right. He was supposed to be, you know, kind of, you know, crotchety. Yeah. Right. You know, the dinner, <laughs> exactly. you know, and like I viewed him as like, you know, the guy who was like too much of a geek to kind of fit in. So there's a little bit, now he's there in that chair interviewing people and, you know, the stick was to be a little smarmy. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's our singer from the neck. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So let's, uh, let's dive into this record. We're talking about it. Let's listen to it. The first man, what an opener, right? What an album opener. Let's listen to the first song. Right. Let me out. Whoa. Let me out, 
drums, the, just the, the, that drum sound. That drum sound is, is brilliant. It just has the, that, that it's not too ambient, but it has like a nice breath to it. And it gives it this kind of sharpness, that just cutting. Yep. You know, it just live. It sounds really live. Yeah. Like you said, it sound. I'm sure they were playing around. I'm sure they opened with this a lot. And it just sounds like them, yeah, opening up a show. And we didn't mention... Uh, Mike Chapman was a producer, and uh, I guess he 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 wrote. He's the guy that wrote uh, a ballroom blitz for Sweet. <laughs> and he wrote, oh, yeah, well, another fantastic song. Right, exactly. And he he had yeah, rec- but- and he had recently produced uh, Parallel Lines by Blondie. So this guy oh, knew his way around. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he kind of knows production. In, yeah, exactly. In such a good way. Yeah. Kind of right. <laughs> Yeah, kind of. <laughs> no, and it, another, you know, g- g- all good drummers. Yes, exactly, exactly. But all right, like that, that. You know, I have to say something right there. That that could have been on Dream Police by Cheap Trick. Oh yes, I. You know, it's. I'm. I'm glad you mentioned Cheap Trick because at some point I I wanted to mention it. Yeah, because I definitely parallels. There's there's definitely parallels. Yeah, it feels like kind of waving a flag. Right. Right. Like they, you know, you kind of the kind of thing where you're not sneaking, you know, kind of aping them in a in a in a sneaky fashion. Like you're like, fuck yeah, this sounds like yeah, right, nodding. exactly, yeah, yeah. You're taking them as a mode to, to you know to, to perform it. You know, but right. it, that's how I see them. Is like the Beatles and Cheap Trick were like who they listened to. Oh, right, right. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, and now we change gears a little with the second one. Let's listen to a little bit of your number or your name. Sometimes the perfect fill is just that snare roll, you know? Oh, <laughs> just, yeah. Just that. I and, agree, man. Yep. And, and it's like the ultimate punctuation. Yeah, right, right. And he's doing, I, I know, obviously, you uh, you hear he's doing these little uh, shuffle uh, things on the snare. He's adding these little touches in there, which is just like these little things that are subtle, but they add so much. Yeah, they they they, they move the song. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good that's a good track. It definitely shows the kind of a versatile like within what they do, you know, this very much as I view like kind of post-punk power pop marriage. Right. And then they kind of have that kind of in the 60 position of like a, just a good melodic harmonic song. 
Right, right, exactly. And you know what? I was also thinking uh, who I, some stuff reminds me of Buzzcocks in a way, just because when they do those harmonies, when they do the high backing harmonies and stuff, and just the fact that it's also melodic, you know? A love affair Which made all other lovers Um, all right, so now we got and uh, a guitar. We have to mention uh, a Burton Avere. I guess I guess you pronounce his name Avere. Did really great guitar work on this record, and uh, we have some cool. Riffs He's sick. He is. He's sick. a sick guitar player. He really is. And there's uh, yeah, and also subtle and unheralded, very unheralded because you don't and mention you don't hear drummer, him mentioned at all, all the backing guys. Yeah. and they're all really good. Really good solid. I like. Yeah. It's like criminally, like not even underrated. They're just not rated. Right. Well, they're not. Yeah, they never. I don't even think they come up for nominated uh, for being in the Hall of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is kind of crazy. It's when they had, you know, a record, the fastest selling debut album by a rock band ever, and they're not, you know, even considered. So there's a lot yeah. of politics there, I guess. Uh, oh so, God. So let's listen to this one. It's called Oterra. I mean, the lyrics, they're, they're, they're like sweet. They're, they're, they're pretty sweet. They're just about, you know, the, the thrill. I don't expect you to understand the, the thrill I feel when I hold your hand, but this is something I never planned. You know, you're thinking of me just as a friend. This is just kind of like sweet uh, teenage lyrics uh, so far. Yeah. It, it's not all like, you know, just, you know, hormonally driven. No, 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 it's not. And um, once again, just uh, so Sam, when you uh, heard this, your sister had it, you were listening to it. Were you already playing drums or were you thinking no. about it? You know, at that time, I, you know, I already, already had tried guitar and, you know, my ADHD brain just couldn't get its right. head around it. Yeah. Um, 
But you know, at the same time, I always knew I can always play a four on the floor beat. Just like a steady, I just always knew how to do that from childhood. Right, right, right. So it it would be a year later. Oh, okay, okay. But you yeah. could, but this had an effect on this uh, had an effect on your playing for sure. I I I could just hear it because when I hear the way oh. this guy is playing these songs, and it's uh, like he, yeah, it, it's just like it's kind of my favorite approach to like rock drumming. It just got it. It just so dialed in. Yeah, it's dialed in. It's almost something. Yeah, it's hard to describe or explain, but yeah, that, that that's a good way to describe it though. It, it's just so dialed in. <laughs> it's true. He, uh, there's just an approach that he has. Right. That is just so, you know, I got to find another term aside from dial. It's like he just, he just knows what to do. Yeah. You right. know, it's just like, it's not drumming against the music looking for his four bars. He gets his, he gets his eight bars. Yeah. yeah. But they're given to him in, in the context of the song. He knows how to find them. It's, it's just purely songwriting drumming and, and, played with skill and dynamics yeah and if any i don't know if anyone if anyone's ever had to play with a with a bad drummer you'll know you'll know what the difference is <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's crazy like i remember reading this article with a you know someone who i can't remember who the drummer was it, it was someone that was kind of you know studio guy who played live uh car of uh, carmine apathy right right you know kind of the 70s was kind of his him and his brother yep and not really my flavor but he he in this article he said you know it's frustrating because he'll give kids lessons and there are fierce drummers like chops for days then he makes them try to play a song and they can't even hold a tempo they can't write <laughs> they can't wrap their head around the song that they have to play the yeah song, and right? it just yeah. seems like this almost this athletic mentality where yep. they, they got to go for it, get to the end, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's right. crazy. I, you know, I it's just, probably not just, something you could teach. I think it's probably something that's got to be there already. Yeah. It, another favorite anecdote is that I used to go to this drum shop in Brooklyn and it was run by this really awesome guy from Germany with a very thick German accent. And he told me that he went to Midtown to get to have lessons with Elvin Jones, the like quintessential jazz drummer. Okay. And Elvin told him, he said, hey, hey, play for me a little bit. And he plays, he goes, I'm sorry, man. There ain't nothing I could do for you. You're too white. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, he was German. And the way Marcus would tell the story, he'd laugh at it and like, go, well, you know, what's am I to do, you know? Oh, and he was like kind of, flattered to be told by the master you know not, not by the haters but like right yeah you really knows you can't probably just do what you do you yeah, can't yeah. Do that. <laughs> that's great <laughs> that is hysterical <laughs> all right so let's listen now we get a little bo diddly beat and then maybe some now we're getting into a little qu uh, questionable territory lyric wise too uh, let's listen to a little bit of she's so selfish
head on quitting And every time she come around She give a wiggle and a wink But she don't give up about anybody else but herself No, she doesn't care for nobody else It's just me, 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 me She's so selfish Again, really live sounding You could hear like the, the whole beginning part You could almost hear them vamping on that in a club you know doing it and maybe vamping a little longer on it you could hear it it's just so live sounding totally i like his the drummer's version of the bo diddley groove yeah yeah he's uh, he's uh doing a little uh, a little twist on it right yeah because usually on the on like a tom pattern dun, dun, da, 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 bat, and he kind of <clears throat> just takes out the toms and displays a kick and snare pattern oh okay right it gives it this kind of more of a kind of swampy right you know badass right like, right you know all the fat's been cut off yep so did you know that they actually changed the like uh they re he re-sang some of it when they finally released it on cd they changed some of the lyrics because he mentioned the quaalude coming from from the quaalude scene and then they changed it to limo scene i think <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from really bad to worse. I know, uh, and also the fuck a me today originally came uh, a touch of me, uh, touching me today, and that's what's on Spotify now. They don't have the original one. They have, which is kind of it's ridiculous because you could find plenty of songs with the word fuck in them, you know. So I don't get it. Oh God, come on, man. Yeah, it's like Prince. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and like you know, a lot of hip hop. Right, 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 right. It, it, it's just kind of getting back to like, you know, there's always the the whipping boy. Yeah, right. Yeah. The band. Yeah. They they became uh, the whipping boy. And uh, I don't know. It's cra it, it's just crazy. Um, who, who knows who could explain it? But now we got the requisite uh, pop ballad. Right. And be right. this one's definitely be less. Probably one of the more be less ones on the record with the uh, with that thing they do with the, with the uh, symbols. Let's listen to a little bit of Maybe Tonight. I don't know why I never said it before. I don't know why I waited so long to be sure. But I, everything's coming. Something is coming. Maybe tonight Funny to think I had to Clown and pretend You never knew I saw you as More than a friend But I Come hold me tight Make it right, maybe tonight. Oh, maybe tonight. Well, so those little simple things. The reverse thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, probably pretty... know how they do that, right? I have no idea how they do that. <laughs> well, back then it was like it it was a process because it was all tape machines. Oh, and right. You had, right. To, you had to actually what you do is take the drum track bounce it down to a two-track machine and then bring it back in to the multi-track and you would have to flip the tape over oh wow to get it reversed and then 
like I said, record on record a take on the two track, bring it back onto the multi track after having flipped the multi track back over <laughs> to its proper side. I mean, now you just in, plug in. in they just have a plug in, right? <laughs> you, well, it's it's actually like on most programs, you could just in, in you know the track dialogue itself hit reverse. Oh God! And it'll just reverse it. You know, but then it sounds it's like no so fun. much more fun flipping the tape over, though, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, because it was a process yeah. and like it seemed adventurous, like this could go, you know, pear shaped. I hope it works. Right, you know, right. Yeah. More does. creative, more the more creativity coming with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 listening to records like this and going backwards, it was like what was really cool in this day and age, we have everything at a keystroke. Back then they had to like figure out a way to to create the sound that was stuck in their heads. Right, right, right. And it usually happened with, you know, just everybody kind of had the same equipment, you know, it was just kind of the same gear and you had to figure out a way to even to, to even to like put something backwards, you know, I mean, it was a process and you had to think about it and execute some, you know, what could have been a harebrained idea or to some was a harebrained idea. Right. I mean, the, the when the Beatles were recording all that stuff at EMI in the earlier days, there was actual rule books. Like people could have gotten fired. Oh, right. Yeah. They were breaking rule books. <laughs> yeah. For putting things, you know, recording way into the red. And there was um, the guitar part on one of the early kind of poppy songs where they had, they took the track and repeated it onto like four channels and turned the treble all the way up, like the high end EQ to get this biting sound. Right. And, you know, it was done reluctantly. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, all yeah. right, go ahead. Yeah, all right. I, I don't know what you boys think you're doing, but. <laughs> yeah, right. Kids today. Right. But I hear, I hear, like, in that song we just heard, like, you can hear the Beatles influence. You can, I mean, it, it's a totally different song, but it kind of in that vein of um, a day in a life. Oh, right, right, yeah. And then, yeah. uh, and and then it it it, it, almost, it it it's a little cheesy, but it's effective. I mean, it it, it gets the job done as a pop uh, a ballad. It, it it gets the job yeah. done. But if they were the Beatles, it would have been Dana Love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the song has like it could have, you know, a different artist would have taken that to the you know extreme. That song is it's so the chords are so great and the melody is good. If you kind of change the lyrics a bit and the arrangement a bit and sonically, that could be like a you know very epic track. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, there are. Uh, yeah, actually, the chords. Uh, it's true. It's so subtle. The the songs in this are so uh, catchy that sometimes it uh, you don't realize that the chord changes are really uh, they're 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 great. They're sophisticated. Uh, they really are. And uh, maybe not in this next one, but this next one is just a great single. This was the second single after My Sharona, and this one's catchy as hell, and it's got that harmonica in it. It's just awesome. Let's listen to a little bit of Good Girls Don't. She's your adolescent dream, schoolboy stuff, a sticky sweet romance. Makes you wanna scream, wishing you could get inside her pants. So you fantasize away 
talk about the teachers that she hates And she says she's all alone And her parents won't be coming home till late great pop song and yeah a little the lyrics are kind of uh cringy but they're totally sung from the from the point of view of a horny teenage kid you know yeah. he's saying that I, in the song so yeah and i when i was that age i because of this song i wanted to know who she was right yeah of course <laughs> yeah. because i was trying all the right ways and getting nowhere <laughs> oh, you know and i was being a little gentleman and like ain't nothing happening yeah Eventually, like, well, she? <laughs> eventually you uh, figured it out, though, Sam. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Much to my dismay. <laughs> you did figure it out. <laughs> yeah. You got to watch that. You get what you want in the long run. Yeah, exactly. So did you have this? Was this did your sister have it on vinyl or did you have it on tape on cassette? Oh, yeah. It was, it was we we were so far behind. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the Fogarinos didn't that. graduate to uh, cassettes yet. No, it was a money thing. Like, yeah. I don't think cassettes happened for another couple of years. But, okay. you know, I mean, here we are. And, you know, people are still, you know, vinyl outselling the CD for the first time in decades. Yeah, I know. it's And cassettes, I keep, I mean, I keep mentioning it. I just mentioned it. I had a, uh, a guest on... Um, from England and we were talking about cassette, how the, the hipster kids are making cassettes again, listening. And it just seems mm -hmm. it's like, why? <laughs> why? Because to get on our nerves. Yeah, that's it. That's what they have to be doing it. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like just doing that thing. That's like not really good for anything. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. but screw it. We're going to do it anyway. We're going to do it anyway. Um, all right, so we you flip the record over and it has this song, which is a great. Uh, it, it's weird in a way that it's buried, but it's not really buried because it starts outside two, and you want to start outside two strong, right? And uh, everyone, everyone knows this song. Let's just listen to a little bit of it. Drum rhythm was supposedly inspired from. Oh, I think I know this, but I can't recall. It's a uh, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles going to a go-go. Oh yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, oh, that's see. Ah, oh, I love that. Right. And the, the modern, well, not really contemporary, but some years before, rock and roll by Led Zeppelin was totally um, inspired by Little Richard. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And the cool thing was. Um, Little Richard had his drummer in whatever southern town they were in, living in, 
go to the train tracks with him and listen to the train as it went by. Little Richard said, that's the way I want the drums to sound. Oh, nice. You know? Yeah. And it's just like taking it a step further, Mr. John Bonham, where this gentleman is doing the same thing. Like, he is. Taking he's, a he's good putting old stone cold 60s groove and amplifying the fuck out of it. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Amplifying it. It's just again, it's it's that snare. It's the it's not it's the snare sound and it's the way he's hitting the snare, right, Sam? It yeah, is his technique. Yeah, yeah man. He technique. just knows how to hit the rim. He does. <laughs> you know, get a perfect rim shot and slams all over the place. It's just it's you know, it's punctuational drumming, you know, it's just like right. After you know, it's always placed like after a good lyric or you know, a certain phrase, you know. And the bass, the way the bass comes in, that crazy attack on the bass. Oh yeah, yeah, we haven't, yeah, we haven't even mentioned the bass player, um, uh, Prescott Niles, but also great, Stone Cold, great bass player, comes <laughs> great lines, just uh, wonderful bass, like perfect for the songs. Perfect, and not boring, not a root note player. No, you know, no, no, he's doing some uh, Paul McCartney. You could tell he's into a Paul. He's a Paul McCartney fan in some sense. Yeah, you could hear the walking bass. Exactly. I mean, I wish people could hear this song for the first time now and go, "Whoa!" <laughs> it's true with fresh ears because, because we didn't. Yeah, what you were saying is the the thing about it is. Yeah, the album. First of all, the album version is what you have to hear because the single version they cut some of the lead out, the guitar solo. So oh, that's a crime, man. Yeah, it's a crime because you have. Yeah, I'm you sure on the classic rock station you were hearing the album version. I heard the whole thing. Yeah, man. which has got this. Just the the um the thing is the the chorus is just the my Sharona. It's like just the recheated the the chorus. The bridge is the centerpiece of the song. That whole bridge part the is. Bridge what, is- Entrance, the whole entrance is gorgeous. That transition and kind of, you know, just changing the rhythm and then just going into this more straight thing and which is such the platform for that guitarist to build this incredible epic guitar solo right right and and, and that's what it does it just build it builds and builds and it's and it's really yeah it's so great they should they should get in the rock and roll hall of fame just for that lead just for that part <laughs> i mean i'm part. sure if you talk to like guitar god type people they go yeah that's because it's just so well thought out it's just so well composed. It is. It is. And then at the at the very last part, your last few measures where just doing all the bends. Right, right, you know, right. It's just like no wonder such good music came out after that point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it kinda of like has a Joey Santiago feel to it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's you true. know what I mean? Where oh, yeah, Joey point. could be so gorgeous and melodic and you know, Spanish influence, Western. And then we'll just kind of tear the roof off right <laughs> yes. downward ends and stuff right it just kind of has that spirit to where it's like you know beautiful melody you know almost like a guitar movement right and then you know it just gets very rock and roll right yeah and uh another uh, 
interesting thing that I just read. Uh, the, so the song's namesake is Sharona Alperin, who uh, I guess he was kind of obsessed with. He met her when she was 17. He was 25. She was still in high school. But they didn't start dating, I think, till she was already 18. And they broke. Of course, they eventually broke up. It didn't last. But um, they became right. interesting. They became friends again later. And she was with him uh, the last week of his life because he died of cancer in 2010. And she was, uh, oh, she wow. was with him. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. That's beautiful. It is, right? How it kind of comes around. Exactly. All right. So now we get the the point out. Wait, I got to go back to the age difference. No, she turns. She becomes legal, you know, and so he'll be like twenty six or something. She's eighteen. Twenty six year old men are fucking immature as hell. That's true. Oh, of course. And they people will look at that as like such like oh god, you're you're molester. It's like twenty six year old men are like boys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know that that you know have to pay their own rent now right you know it's just <laughs> when you really i'm not you know i want to be gentle here because i'm not advocating you know going after younger girls but in in reality if she's a was a mature smart average girl she was she already more mature yeah she was already more mature than him i'm sure yeah totally <laughs> Of yeah. course, of course. It's a, it's a very roundabout praise of the the, the young feminine form. <laughs> it's true. Um, all right, and now In we get <laughs> right. now we get a Buddy Holly cover. Buddy Holly uh, song written by Bob Montgomery and Norman Petty, and this is definitely in in their wheelhouse, right? For sure. Let's listen to a little bit of heartbeat. Fun. Uh, that's a fun little cover. That's I like that song a lot. Yeah, it's just that you know you can hear that it was a Buddy Holly's, although he didn't write it, but you can hear the vibe. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It just makes me think of like how good that guy was. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. And, you know, I remember some younger dude in years ago in in Gainesville, Florida, when I was living there for a spell, was telling me like, "No, Sam, this guy's chords are crazy." Yeah. And, you know, something you don't really think about because it's kind of light and poppy. Right, right. But then, you know, all those kind of like the arpeggios that they're doing. And another thing is they're playing clean. So there's no forgiveness. Right. You got to hit the notes, right? Exactly. And that just makes it kind of like a technical challenge. And it's defiant because it sounds so like we're just having a, having a go at this. This is fun. Right. Lighthearted, you know, boxing. <laughs> Right. Whatever the kids are doing. <laughs> and it's funny, yeah, it's almost like you don't and like now I feel like uh power pop in general is, is is appreciated more than maybe it was then. Maybe maybe then it was just like, oh that's just uh, you know, trickly pop stuff and now people realize what goes into it and it's not it isn't so easy to do. It's not easy to make a great power pop record. No, it's not. And it, it just seemed like back then it was kind of on the 
on the fringe because it wasn't one thing or another. It wasn't outright punk rock. It wasn't new wave. Right, right. And it wasn't metal. It wasn't rock. Right. And it was just like kind of an outsider genre. Yep. If you will, for people like us. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So now we get this. This next one, I think, is the oddest song on the record, I would say. And uh, maybe because I, I think eventually he had some pro He struggled with alcoholism. So maybe this is a precursor to that or maybe he was already in it. But this is Siamese Twins, parentheses, The Monkey and Me. <laughs> and the drums on this song those guys are going off oh that fucking cowbell man <laughs> that cowbell <laughs> pattern <laughs> in defense of the cowbell right <laughs> no no is, when uh, there it's like uh, perfect that's uh that's someone that knows how to use it uh put it in the right yeah. spot no it's that whole rhythm too down and bam, bam, it's just so fucking ballsy yeah, yeah, and and kind of dark for a power pop record because I think kind of dark. Yeah, yeah, the lyric there, I like I like that song a lot. I remember that song now. Oh, okay. I was wondering. So you, when you did when you heard that and then you you listened to the whole record again, that really brings you back. Did it bring you back all the way to when you were like ten years old? Uh, yeah, phenomenally so. Right? Isn't that great? It was so so cool to kind of like I haven't changed that much spiritually. You know what? What moves me back then still moves me today. Right. But I know how to do it. <laughs> and I know what's going on, but there's still that, you know, I do this for the awe of music. Right, right. You know, I mean, just the power. I mean, and, you know, getting up in age, I have patience with, you know, older music that I wouldn't consider before or stuff that I heard over and over again as, as you know, as a kid. And it's just like, you know, listen to a certain car song. It, it can always make you cry. It's so right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's like, yeah. And, and it, what are we, it, what are we trying yeah, to do? This is why I'm here. You know, this is. Yeah. No, it's true. You know, it, it's true. And that's why that's the, that's what this show's all about, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> it it's, is. Look at this record. Destroyed your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, some pe some people, yes, that would be true, but uh, thankfully not in our uh, in our case. Yes. So Lucinda, I'm not sure who Lucinda is, but uh, she's going to cut you down and she's going to make you cry. So let's listen to a little of that.
bridge right before the chorus. The chords in that, they're sophisticated chord changes there. They're really, uh, in, you know, they're, it's going places that you wouldn't think it would go. Yeah. Yeah. And and the kind of the verse, too, has like ACDC could have played that verse. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Just if they cranked up the... Uh, Distortion instead of playing distortion, it but yeah. it's so it's so good because it's so pocketed, you know. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, well, it all yeah, it it, it, it all kind of comes from the same thing. That, that that's our wheelhouse, Sam. That's our wheelhouse. <laughs> that's yeah, what we like. Well, I mean, you re recall we covered back and back. Oh yeah, that's right, we did for like just for a short time. Yes, we did. And I will still, and if that song comes on and I'm in the car, I will not leave the car for that song. Fucking blast that thing. Exactly. It's like when I, I saw them at a, at a Coachella that we played at, and um, they opened with it. Oh, nice. And like people just like flipped out. And you know what Brian Johnson says after they're done? He's like, that'll get you up in the morning. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like don't you know it right but that is the wheel man that's it like that's it. you can build so much upon that you know yep it just goes everywhere and everybody likes it yeah yeah how could you not yeah how could you yeah not? um it's kind of a again it's like a mode of operation you know? right all right, so now we get uh, Jangle. This this one's a really jangly one. And uh, purportedly, so purportedly, there's three songs on the record that are about Sharona. And this is the third one. There's uh, Sharona, obviously, and She's So Selfish. And this one right here, that's what the little girls do. That's what the little girls do to you. Cheap Trick and what they did here which they do a lot which Cheap Trick also does they opened with the chorus they start the mm. song right out with the chorus uh, which Cheap Trick does a lot too and that's, that's also cool. that's great it grabs you so right away you're on board by the time the verses start you're already on board yeah like <laughs> and one, of, one of my favorite Cheap Trick songs Dream Police yeah yeah there you go right open right up with the chorus it's, it's just bam Let's it's there to it Yep. And you're you're trapped after that, man. The hook's not letting go. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good because that has a really good uh chord progression in it. Yes, yeah, it does. And it's got the the bridge, you know, our our mutual friend Rat Bastard always says you could go a song could have a could not have the best verse, could not have the best chord, whatever, but it, uh, the bridge. The bridge is the most important part of the song. It's gotta have a oh. great bridge. And he's oh, yeah. he's right. I kind of agree with he's, him. True. And I like his other technique is like end on the bridge. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, well, he's and obsessed with bridges. <laughs> when it happens, though, it like it does like create like it's almost like a different 
part of this. It's almost like you never heard it before and it's taken you out of the song in the best possible way. Right, right, right. Just because, you, you know, we're, we're used to ending on a verse or a chorus, you know, used to hearing that. But, you know, a good bridge, well, yeah, it'll fuck things up for the better. There you go. <laughs> All right. So now we get uh, for the closer of the record, one more super catchy rocker. Uh, and I, once again, just the drumming on this solid as fuck. Let's listen to a little bit of Frustrated. <laughs> before the solo but i'm gonna put some of his solo in there because he does a perfect little melodic solo here that's just that's just great and uh you know what i was thinking i compare him to uh led uh, you know led easton is a great maybe not uh mentioned so much but he's such a great guitar player because he, he just comes up with these great melodic parts that adds to him and burton oh, yeah. there is the same is the same thing right I, yeah, totally. I just went. To, uh, funny you say like the. I just went down a little Elliot Easton rabbit hole the other night. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was watching a YouTube clip of Dangerous Type, Ugh. and it was live, and they were playing live, and I was like, that they're not really known as a live band. No, be, you know? just because Cars. they were very, they weren't an exciting band to see live because they basically just played. But the, but they were really good. I mean, he he were, plays live just as good, like he's like he's in the studio. Yeah, and he just had that. It's what made the band so unique and kind of kept them rock and roll. Like he could do all the esoteric stuff, and he did. But then he, he could just play such a memorable guitar solo. Yes, right. That is so well composed. You know, it's not just again you know, like the drummers that we both admire mutually, like he, he, his chops are very informed. You know, it's not just look what I could do. Right. But right. it has that element of like, you're a guitar, he's a guitar hero. He, he can hang with all the metal guys. Right. Right. But he's not, yeah, he's not going to do a, a two minute solo. He's going to do a, a 30 second solo. That's like perfect. And that will kill you. Perfect. And that's all you need. Yeah. Totally. And, and, you know, he, he could hang with Rico Cassick's like all his quirky esoteric bits, you right. know, he's a great accent and all that stuff. Yep. So yeah, yeah that yeah. guy, that guy in this band, what's the gentleman's name again? Uh, Burton Aver. Yeah. He's, they definitely come from that school. 
I know, and it, it's a shame. Probably no one, you know. I'm, I'm like you said. I'm sure uh, guitar players that know, you know, they they probably do, you know. Uh, but the average person just isn't going to know. And and the whole band, they were just like a really good band. And it's kind of a shame uh, what happened to them, you know, to just the, how they were uh, dismissed uh, for the wrong reasons, you know? <laughs> yeah, but totally, because it's, it's happening all around us at the time, you know, what they're getting pegged for. Right, right, yeah. And being, you know, dismissed for. It's like, you know, you did have ACDC at the time. Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, Bon Scott was a dirty bird. Oh, yeah. Dirty Deeds, you know, that's some big balls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all. A whole lot of Rosie. Lot, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that would not fly uh, today, but uh, different times. But yeah. And it's just that, you know, as age old thing, it's like, let's put you really high up on a pedestal so we can knock you right down. <sighs> just, just all about knocking people down, Sam. And, That's why you, know, this, uh, you aren't on Twitter, be, are you? No. Good. Uh, don't go on Twitter. Stay off Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It's That's all awful, they do is knock place. people down. <laughs> yeah, and and, then, and then especially in this day and age, it's so safe, you know, to be have some pseudonym, some tag, and yes, and sit behind your you know, computer. Nothing constructive at all. Nope. But we're not about yeah. that. We're about positivity, and uh, this was positively a great record to bring and talk about. I'm, I'm, I'm glad this was not. You know, I, it, it came to me out of left field from you because I would not have, you know, said, "Oh, this is the record. Next record, Sam's going to want to do is this." But I, I see. It, once I heard it, I said, "Oh, okay. I see. I, I see why, and I get it." And yeah, uh, and it's great. It's kind of like you know, it's funny to call them the underdog because, as you said, you know, I mean, their debut album, you know. Yeah. Sold faster than. Right, right. <laughs> it's right. funny. Like, here's a statement more people bought that album than got vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's crazy. But they, you know, sadly turned out to be like a real underdog. Right, right. And one hit wonders, yeah. which you can't put a, a, a band that put out a record that, that as a whole is this good. You can't call them a one hit wonder. That's not fair. No, it's well, it's a misappropriated, it's a misused term. The one hit wonder just has the you know connotation that you put out you release this single and you went away. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like if the Pixies had a pop hit, they would be totally deemed a one hit wonder. And that's ridiculous to think. Exactly. Yeah. With right. you know, their 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 the whole history of the band or any any band that we like have ever if they ever crossed over. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and you know, you see those. Whatever happened to this band? It's like, well, they kept touring and putting out records. Yeah, that right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. And had like a, a better existence because they weren't always, you know, under scrutiny. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a tough business, Sam, as you well know. Uh, but so, where yeah. if someone wants to know, but you, you do have some, you you do have some presence, right? And you have some things going on. So, where's the best place if someone wants to get into the Sam? Fogarino world a little bit a little taste of that where's the best place they can go well i i would just hit up the interpol instagram okay yeah it's actually uh, it, it's fun like i said uh, lately it's been really fun you guys have been sharing pictures and little videos and stuff that's great yeah and, and it's funny because it i remember <laughs> when matador asked us to like you know this is you'll really appreciate this you know, the thing called Twitter and Instagram and all this like social media thing, you guys got to do it. Sonic Youth is doing it. <laughs> and it was just kind of like, 
he, Chris, the, the Matador's, you know, captain, he knew, he knew, he knew how to get us to do it. It's right. just like, Sonic Youth are doing it. Oh, okay. Sonic Youth is doing it. All right. That's cool then. Yeah. And this was, you know, like a decade ago. Right. And it's kind of funny because, you know, going from wanting to be too mysterious, in my opinion, to like, here we are cooking dinner. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But it's charming. It, just, it makes it all, it all becomes very charming. <laughs> it does. And, yeah. uh, and you guys have some actual live shows coming up, right? Next year. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. It is exciting. It's kind of hard to get my head around. I know. Haven't recorded the record yet. But. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. I know. But it, it's all going to happen. <laughs> it's all going to yeah. happen. Yeah. It it's is. all going to happen. And it's all good stuff. Well, that was great. As always great talking to you, Sam. Uh, my pleasure, sir. Yes. Love being here. Awesome. It's fun catching up and uh, we got to see each other in person. Uh, one of these days we will. Yeah. I was just thinking that like I'm soon. I'm just going to have to allocate some time. To, I'll to, to buddy pass you there. over to Seattle. You want to come out to Seattle and and, and uh, keep me I'll company. I'll, I'll anywhere to see here. you. All right, man. Well, thanks again. Uh, don't forget guys. I I'm all over uh, uh, social media. You could follow us at, uh, at that record got me on Instagram and Facebook. Also that Facebook group got me high. You can email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. And most importantly, you can go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh and you can become a patron of the show like so many of you have. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys listening. Sam, thanks again. My pleasure. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Good night.